Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's Eastern Christian Publications. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Very, very excited to be here with you today because today is not only Pentecost, one of the greatest feast days of the year, one of the greatest events in all of salvation history. In fact, it is the final event, actually, the sending of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, the church, and upon you and I, especially if we've been baptized and confirmed in the church. But it is also the day in which I've been able to open up my own parish again to my parishioners, so they can attend, if they wish, if they choose, the Divine Liturgy, the Eucharistic Liturgy. So what a providential day that we can gather again together, animated by the Holy Spirit, just as it was in that first reception of the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago in the upper room. So as you are listening to this program, I am gathering once again with my parishioners, who I have not gathered with for, well, like any other pastor, for several months Now, they may not all be there, but certainly there'll be a number of them there. And we're going to, of course, practice our safe distancing and other precautions as well. However, we will come and be open above all to the Holy Spirit, because that is what animates us. That is what directs us. Not governors, not presidents, not governments, not doctors, nobody. With all due respect to our government and all professional people involved in this whole pandemic, hats off to all that they're doing especially the frontline workers and so on, the first responders, of which I am one too, on a certain level as a priest. Hats off to all of them. However, it is the Holy Spirit that ultimately we obey, that animates us and protects us. The Holy Spirit is the giver of life. And this is why in the many of the Eastern churches, we wear the color green and we decorate our churches with greens. We actually go and cut green branches and bring them into the church. Life, life, green, the color of life. That is what we follow, the Holy Spirit. And we are here today in our church. We're here on this radio program, open to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead us into how we are to respond to this pandemic, to this whole situation. Where do we go from here? That's the important thing. But above all, let us be open to the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit, of course, we read about in the New Testament, 
And again, reading about these things is not just what we do. We enter into that event, into that mystery. So we are actually the apostles right now in that upper room. This is not make-believe. This is actually a mystical reality. Remember, whenever we enter into anything having to do with the liturgy, the liturgical life of the church, precisely through the liturgy and only through the liturgy and prayer of the church do we transcend time. So we enter into the moment when the event happened because that moment transcends all time. There is no past, present, future with it. There's only what it is. It is. It exists. It happened. And we enter into that time and time again to that one same event, just like in the Eucharist. Same thing with the receiving of the Holy Spirit. So we are receiving the Holy Spirit, entering into that original reception of the Holy Spirit that happened in the upper room. We, of course, individually receive that Holy Spirit in a very real way, a tangible way, through the anointing with the Holy Chrism, which has the presence of the Holy Spirit in it. Notice how in the sacraments of the church, there is always some kind of material substance that must be present. Three things must be present. Actually, you can say four. One is material substance. Something physical has to be present in the seven sacraments. Secondly, there are words that have to be present. Thirdly, there is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And fourth, there has to be the will, the intent, the receptivity of the person receiving the sacrament. So those four things must be present. But I want to emphasize the physical part. We receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, through water and anointing, through baptism and chrismation. The Holy Spirit was prefigured in the Old Testament. We see that in some of the readings, such as in the book of Numbers. This is in chapter 11. This is the prescribed reading for the Vesper service in the Byzantine church for the Holy and Great Pentecost. We read this in chapter 11. This starts in verse 16 and 17. Then the Lord said to Moses, Assemble for me seventy of the elders of Israel, men you know for true elders and authorities among the people, and bring them to the meeting tent. When they're in place beside you, I will come down and speak with you there. I will also take some of the spirit that is on you and will bestow it on them, that they may share the burden of the people with you. You will then not have to bear it by yourself. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. Gathering 70 elders of the people, he had them stand around the tent. The Lord then came down in the cloud and spoke to him. Taking some of the spirit that was on Moses, he bestowed it on the 70 elders. And as the spirit came to rest on them, they prophesied. Now you see, does this sound familiar to you? If we jump to the New Testament, we hear where Jesus Christ in his first appearance to the apostles in the upper room This is in John's Gospel. In fact, it is in the Gospel of John in chapter 20. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Now, you see, what it said there is that they received the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the Pentecost Sunday, though. That would come a little bit later. The apostles first received the Holy Spirit in this way that enabled them to 
bind or loose sins. In other words, the sacrament of confession. Then later on, as we read in the Acts of the Apostles, when Christ actually sends the Holy Spirit upon the apostles after he has ascended to heaven. So he's gone back to heaven so that he can send the Holy Spirit as he promised. He told the apostles, I must return to heaven, to my Father in heaven, so that I can send you the paraclete, the comforter. So Christ does. A few days ago, we celebrated the ascension of our Lord. He goes to heaven, sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles in the upper room in the form of fiery tongues and a great wind and an earthquake. And it fills them with the Holy Spirit so that they can now not only forgive sins, but they can go and prophesy. They can preach the word of God to the world. They had the strength, the charisms, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that enabled them to do that. And those are the gifts that we receive when we are chrismated, when we celebrate and experience the sacrament of chrismation, of confirmation. We receive those same gifts you know, fortitude, knowledge of the Lord, wisdom, fear of the Lord, prudence. These are gifts that we receive through the presence of the Holy Spirit, which comes into our being through baptism and especially chrismation. We actually received these gifts, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, enabling us to also prophesy, to go forth and teach all nations. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. In the prophecy of the great prophet Joel, we read this in chapter 2. And you, O children of Zion, exalt and rejoice in the Lord your God. He has given you the teacher of justice. He has made the rain come down for you. The early and the late rain is before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will repay you for the years which the locust has eaten, the grasshopper, the devourer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat and be filled. You shall praise the name of the Lord your God, because he has dealt wondrously with you. My people shall never more be put to shame, and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never more be put to shame. Then afterward I will pour out my Spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even upon the servants and the handmaids, in those days I will pour out my Spirit." And I will work wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood, fire, and calms of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood at the coming of the day of the Lord, the great and terrible day. Then everyone will be rescued who calls in the name of the Lord. For on Mount Zion there should be a remnant, as the Lord has said, and in Jerusalem survivors whom the Lord shall call. You notice how it mentions clouds. Well, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was again prefigured by the cloud that led the Israelites and the cloud that would come upon the meeting tent when Moses would go to meet God. Whenever there was an epiphany, in other words, a showing forth of the Holy Spirit, it oftentimes happened within a cloud or up on a mountain in a cloud. That was a prefigurement for the presence of the Holy Spirit that would come in the form of fiery tongues and It is also symbolized by the incense used in the church during the liturgy. We're going to look at the liturgy and some of the texts in the liturgy and some of the prayers that help to bring together the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the reality of this presence of the Holy Spirit, which you and I, if we've been baptized and chrismated in the church, which you and I have the incredible privilege to have been granted. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Suddenly, we find ourselves in a new reality where first responders, doctors, custodial workers, nurses, police and fire personnel, stockers, dock workers, clergy, religious, and others are in the front lines to combat COVID-19. These people care for your welfare. When you meet one of these selfless people, thank them. Let kindness prevail as we at Light of the East ask you to pray for them. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host on a spirit-filled day. I am very spirited today because I am once again gathered together in the upper room, so to speak, of my parish with my parishioners once again, as we have opened up for the first time fully. At least the services are available for those who wish to come. They still have a dispensation, however, until we get further along through this pandemic. They don't have to come, but it is there for them. They are free to come now to worship and to come together in the presence of the Holy Spirit, as did those original apostles. So it's a spirited day in many ways for me personally, as priest, as pastor, as a person for our church and for the whole church, because we immerse ourselves in that original coming of the Holy Spirit in the upper room with the 12 apostles. The liturgical texts, as always, are very deep and vast and profound for this great, deep, vast, profound feast day. But what happens is there's some interesting texts that tie together the Old Testament and the New Testament and also give us some insight into this feast. Here's an example, a prayer from during this week of Pentecost, because remember, whenever we celebrate a great feast like this, we always have an octave or a what we call a post-festive Octave would mean eight days of observance of the feast. Not all of them have eight days, but the biggest ones have the largest amounts of days in their post-festive periods. So during the Wednesday evening Vespers of this week in the Byzantine Church, we pray this. 
Moses saw the one who is on the fiery mountain, but now the Spirit has come down upon the wise apostles. They also see God in the form of fire. This clearly proves that in both covenants, the same God speaks through identical operations of its nature. See, that, that's profound. See how it connects through the liturgy. It connects through this liturgical verse, the Old and New Testament, how Moses experienced the Spirit on the fiery mountain and in a cloud, and now once again the Spirit comes in fire, only fiery tongues. And this time it's the fullness of the Holy Spirit, no longer just prefigured or in part like in the Old Testament, but as always completely fulfilled in the New Testament. The prayer also says this, Long ago you created your flaming bodiless angels, filling them with the fire of the Spirit. But now you have wondrously communed with material creatures. They offer worship to you through creation, O my God. And they sing, Wonderful are your works, O lover of mankind. So you see, this goes back to what I said earlier before the break, that we require something material. Something in the material world unites with that of the spiritual world. Sacraments like chrismation, which gives us the Holy Spirit, that sacrament unites heaven and earth, the spiritual with the physical, because we have to use a physical ointment and oil. There has to be words, an openness to the sacrament, and there is then the presence of the Holy Spirit from the next world, from heaven. And they all unite in the sacrament through the physical matter and the words of the priest. Same thing in baptism and, of course, in Eucharist. That's a very obvious one, right? Bread and wine. You must have that. You can't just think the consecration. And I know we've gone through this spiritual communion thing, and I say that with a, I know, a little bit of a sarcasm in my voice. I understand, okay, the bishop said it's okay, it's okay, we're obedient, I understand. However, the reason why I have a little bit of a sarcasm in my voice is because I fear as a pastor that we'll get too used to that and think to ourselves, well, we don't really have to come back to church. I can just do a spiritual communion, lay here in bed with my cough and my pajamas and watch the liturgy or watch the mass on live streaming. No, the spiritual communion is a very, very, very specialized occurrence. It's, it's very, very unique to a special occasion. It is not the norm. We must come to church and with our bodies touch something material that is imbued with the spiritual. In the case of Eucharist, of course, we're touching bread and wine, a little bit of water, the bread and wine being consecrated into the body and blood of Christ. Now, it also says here in the liturgical text, the assembly of nations was made fruitful in the spirit, but the unbelievers were darkened by the drunkenness of ignorance. That's a little play on the scripture. Remember in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, which gives us the account of the coming of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. When the apostles received the Holy Spirit, they could speak in everybody's tongue, everybody's language. And people were amazed at that. They could also speak in tongues of the Holy Spirit. And so people thought they were drunk. It was amazing. They were able to speak of God in the various languages of the people. So the text says this, The assembly of nations was made fruitful in the Spirit, but the unbelievers were darkened by the drunkenness of ignorance. See, they thought that the apostles were drunk, but the liturgical text here turns it around. No, the people were drunk by ignorance. When they witnessed the miracle of tongues, they said that your disciples were drunk. They were deceived by a worse drunkenness. While we who have received the saving knowledge of you through your elect proclaim your wonders, O our God. You see, 
how the liturgical texts do a little play on the word drunkenness there. What was real drunkenness? In other words, drunkenness is where you don't really think straight. And they thought that that's how the apostles were. Actually, it was the other way around. The apostles are the ones that had it straight. They had it so straight that people thought they were drunk. But actually, the people themselves, who were not imbued with the Holy Spirit yet, they were ignorant. They were drunk with ignorance of what was really happening. I point this liturgical text out because, as always, something written centuries ago, something that we still pray today that was written centuries ago, has a relevancy to us. Because what it is saying, and it should be familiar to, especially now during some of the things that are going on in this pandemic, some of the fallout and offshoots of it, is that the world looks at the church and sees it as basically useless, like a drunk, like a drunkard, as non-essential. Certainly, we've been considered non-essential during this pandemic, so we were able to close down our churches. I mean, we shouldn't have, in my opinion. We could have kept them open, should have been stayed open 24-7. We could have done it in a very safe way, but I was obedient. We closed them down, at least during, for me, thanks to our bishop, only during the liturgical services. Otherwise, my church remained open, as it always has been. It was always open for prayer, and I credit my bishop for allowing that. But the world sees us as irrelevant, as non-essential, as being stupid or unwise, not with it, with all of our moral theology, things we don't approve of that the world wants us to approve of, immorality of all kinds. But actually, it's the world that is drunk on ignorance, drunk on their own lack of understanding, their own lack of a sacramental liturgical worldview, of being able to see life correctly, of not knowing what the church is really saying, of not cooperating with the Holy Spirit. The church is the one that we look at as having the answer. We have the answer because the Holy Spirit has come upon us, has come and filled the church with its presence. And we have to act like that. We have to believe that. Throughout the liturgy, especially in the Eastern churches, we're very charismatic. In other words, naturally charismatic. By that, I mean we're very, very spirit-driven and very, very Holy Trinity-driven, which, of course, would include a lot of mention of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is very much emphasized in the Eastern liturgy. In fact, the Holy Trinity is because we say that the Trinity has saved us. In fact, we sing that, we proclaim that after receiving the body and blood of Christ, We don't just thank Jesus Christ for giving us his body and blood. Yes, we do. But we also say in the prayer after receiving communion, we say that the Trinity has saved us. The Trinity, because it took the entire action of the Holy Trinity to complete the plan of salvation and to save us. Yes, Jesus Christ, of course, a major player in it, the second person of the Trinity. Remember, he was sent by the Father. And Jesus, in turn, sent the Holy Spirit to complete things. It is the Holy Spirit that is acting in the liturgy. When the priest stands at the altar and says the words of institution, he consecrates the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Christ, into the real presence. It is not the priest doing it. You need the priest. It is necessary to have the priest, the physicality of the priest, the person standing there saying the words, the office of priesthood. That is all necessary. But it is not the priest himself who is doing it. It is the action of the Holy Spirit through the priest. In fact, in the Mass, in the Latin Rite, or in the Liturgy, in the Eastern Rites, the changing of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, into the real presence, happens not just by the words of institution, 
but also by the calling down of the Holy Spirit. This happens in both liturgies, in the Roman Rite, the Latin Rite, and then the Eastern Rites. The difference is and that in the Latin Rite liturgy, the Holy Spirit is called down before the words of institution. In the Eastern churches, the Holy Spirit is called down upon the gifts after the words of institution. Regardless, there's no chronological time here. Remember, we, in liturgy, we enter into chronos time. So we call down the Holy Spirit upon the gifts, say the words of institution, and that is what changes the gifts into the body and blood of Christ. How and when exactly that happens, we can't say. It's a timeless mystery. It's just that we do need to do our part in it. And the biggest part of that really is the calling down the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit that acts. This is indeed a Spirit-filled day for me personally, for my parish, for the church, for the world, for the whole church. Because on this day, we enter into that one great moment where the Holy Spirit came upon the world and into the apostles and changed the world, you and me, forever. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Lee on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy makes you attractive, helps you enjoy life, safeguards your energy. Being resentful, angry, and miserable just makes you tired. Joy is strength. That's why the devil wants to rob your joy. He wants to sap your strength. He wants to steal that next great moment with your kids and have you be focused on mean stuff someone did to you at work instead. Ever think of how easy it is to focus on something negative that happened to you and how hard it is to stay focused on positive things? We never tend to obsess on positive interactions like, dang it, I just can't shake the thought of that guy who was kind enough to let me in front of him on the freeway. <laughs> right? Listen, you only get about 30,000 days on this earth. Don't ever give a whole day to being angry at somebody else's bad behavior. No one is worth that. As St. Teresa of Avila said, let nothing disturb you. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com on EWTN Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.